When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. College Football Live is presented by Dr. Pepper. Welcome to College Football Live. I have Wendy Nix, and we start today with a number of developing stories regarding quarterbacks. We will turn to ESPN senior writer Pete Thamel, who joins us via phone. And Pete, let's start with the University of Texas and Quinn Ewers. Yeah, Wendy, we just uh, just broke seconds ago on uh, on ESPN that uh, Quinn Ewers is expected to be back for the Red River shootout against uh, against Oklahoma, and he's expected to uh, start. He had missed four weeks with a uh, AC sprain in his non-throwing shoulder. The the timeline from the day after the Alabama game had been the earliest he could return is the Oklahoma game, and he will return for the Red River rivalry. Wow, Pete, that is one side of the coin. On the other is the situation at the University of Kentucky and Will Levis. What's his status? Well, Will Levis, there's some ambiguity, Wendy, hanging over his status right now. He's been uh, working hard rehabbing uh, an injured foot in, all week, and uh, there's there's a real notion that he may not be able to go against, uh, against South Carolina this week. Uh, my sources have told me that, that Levis, Kentucky has been operating – as if Levis is not going to be the uh, starter this week, and so I, I do think that there's a chance he could uh, that he could come back and play. But uh, right now, there is uh, there's definitely uh, there's definitely some uncertainty surrounding Will Levis's uh, status hanging out. Kaya Sharon would be the quarterback for Kentucky, a redshirt freshman from Somerset, Kentucky, who would get the start in Levis's place. All right, Pete, we'll talk more about that coming up. I'm joined now by Eddie Royal and Stanford Steve. And clearly, as you heard Pete say, Steve, you know, the Wildcats have been preparing as if they will be without Will Levis. But what what's that look like for the Wildcats? Well, I think it's a lot of things, Wendy. When you look at Kentucky, first of all, they lost three offensive linemen to the NFL, you know, this offseason to the draft. So they were already working with an undermanned offensive line, and they really trusted Levis to make plays in the pocket, you know, when protection broke down. And he's done that. They were unfortunate in a, in a last-second loss to Ole Miss last week. And I look at the spot. You know, they come back home. Mark Stoops has had a ton of success against South Carolina, and now he doesn't have Will Levis. That's a tricky spot now. You figure the toughest that Stoops has you know, put into this program will take over. So it's a big spot for, for Kentucky to rebound after that. Yeah, Steven, I look at it as missing the leadership aspect of it all. You know, it's a home game, so Will will probably be there. But the other guys around him got to step up. So Chris Rodriguez got to step up. Tavion Robinson has to step mm -hmm. up. Not only their play, but in the leadership aspect of it. Because sometimes things don't go well in the game. And so you need that guy in the huddle to step up and sometimes <laughs> say something to calm the nerves of the players in the huddle. So those guys got to elevate their leadership portion of the game as well. 
All right, this certainly won't be a game Will Levis will want to miss. South Carolina, by the way, has allowed at least 40 points in their last six games against ranked opponents. And losing Levis a loss no matter what, but especially so when you consider the experience in terms of a backup, only one other quarterback on the Wildcats roster has attempted a pass in their collegiate career, and it's just that, a single pass. Meanwhile, Tennessee home to one of the highest-powered offenses in the country, posting over 48 points per game and gaining an FBS best. 559 yards of offense a game. This is our Dr. Pepper Championship Drive Game of the Week preview. This time, though, LSU has one of the best defenses in the SEC, allowing under 300 yards a game while forcing a conference-high 12 turnovers. Here's head coach Josh Heupel. The front four, uh, they're big, physical, long, athletic. Um, they have the ability to apply pressure to the quarterback and, and break the pocket down. Uh, you want to stay out of long yardage situations against them. On um, the back end, uh, they have a bunch of new bodies to their roster with a, a bunch of transfers. Those guys have played a lot of football. I think they continue to get more in sync uh, and more comfortable in their scheme. And, and uh, for us, you know, we got to have balance in, in what we're doing. So, you know, run game on early downs will be critical. Um, playing from ahead of the change is going to be critical in this game. Eddie Hendon Hooker has been a difference maker for the Volunteers this season, no question. But this time he faces a top 20 defense in LSU. Uh, what do you expect from the Vols quarterback? The same as what we've seen all year, and it hurts me to talk about Hendon Hooker because he was a Hokie. He played for my Hokies, and now we <laughs> lost him to Tennessee. So, uh, great things for him. He's fourth in the Heisman voting, the odds that win the Heisman for a reason. I mean, he does a great job of taking care of the ball. He makes plays down the field. Last week against Florida, he threw for over 300 yards, which he does every week. But the, the number that stands out to me is he ran for over 100 yards. That's something that tells you that, hey, I'm going to take care of the ball, but also if the pass isn't down there downfield, I can take off and make plays as well. So I expect him to be fine. This LSU defense isn't going to force him into making any bad plays. Yeah, Eddie, I look at the other side with Tennessee's defense. They have to be better. In games outside of Neyland Stadium last year, they averaged giving up 41 points a game. And that's the thing I can't trust yet with Tennessee as they go on the road. They have had terrible, terrible times on the road against the SEC West, against ranked teams. Look at that. Two and 32. Tennessee fans know how bad they've been on the road. Their program knows how bad they've been on the road. They really, really need this game to get a road win, get confidence, because, oh, yeah, Alabama's coming in next week. Steve, are you telling me you're picking LSU? I think I am. I, th I think I am. I, I like the, the fact that they're at home. And like I said, that defense, you have to have a defense that travels if you're going to be a top 10 team, Eddie. And I, I just haven't seen it with Tennessee. So, uh, yeah, I'm leaning towards picking LSU for sure right now. And I say they can't keep wow. up with the scoring of Tennessee. So, hey, we're, we're at odds on this one. All right. Uh, there's good. no question, like fellas. It. We can't agree. Yeah, this is strength v. strength, though, and they are ready for this Volunteers team in Baton Rouge. It's a sold-out crowd. It will be loud. So if you don't like the road, this may not be the right place. Uh, ready or not, though, here they come. Still to come on College Football Live, we turn to the ACC. Clemson may have a stronghold on the Atlantic, but there is chaos in the coastal, including some mayhem in Miami. We'll help you sort it all out. And who leads the Pac-12? The Trojans and the Bruins battle it out in a game that could tell us a whole lot more. We'll tell you what to watch for. 
College Football Live is presented by Delicious Ice Cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. You're watching College Football Live, presented by Dr. Pepper. breakfast all five ranked Pac-12 teams are in action this weekend two of which are playing each other as Utah travels to UCLA in one of the biggest matchups of the weekend here's what Kyle Whittingham says will be his team's key to success our defense will be successful against UCLA we've got to try to keep uh, DTR from going crazy on us we got to keep him in the pocket as much as possible uh, keep him contained you're never going to completely take a guy away uh, with his ability and skill set, but if we can keep it to a minimum and try to uh, minimize the damage that he does, then uh, then we got a chance. I feel at ease. I think that's the perfect word for it. I feel at ease. I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. I feel like this is where this team is supposed to be. Uh, we just got to go out there and do our thing and, and show the world what we got. College football reporter Paolo Ugetti is based in L.A., so he's been with both teams, USC and UCLA, this week. And, Paolo, we just heard DTR say how comfortable he feels, but what's the feeling around his team as he gets set for the Utes? I would say the number one thing that you keep hearing from everybody from Chip Kelly to wide receivers, tight ends, offensive linemen is confidence. They just have an incredible amount of confidence, confidence in him. This is a guy who could have gone in the NFL draft after last season, could have transferred if he wanted to, but he decided to come back for a fifth year. And it's paid off. I mean, he looks comfortable in Chip Kelly's system. He's making plays, you know, both with his legs and with his arms. And you hear the receivers talk about how much he's grown, the ones who have been there in the few years, how on point he is. There's transferred from Duke, Jake Bobo, who decided to come to UCLA in large part because he wanted to play with DTR, who really has, you know, a Nord amount of confidence. You hear him talk, it's hard not hard Hard to see why, you know, guys guys will play for him and play uh, with him. All right, if we talk about one, we talk about the other. Let's turn our attention to the Trojans for just a minute. The defense, I think you could say, has been inconsistent at times, but yet leads the FBS in takeaways. Uh, what's their take on these next two two or three games will make all the difference, Paolo? Yeah, Wendy, I would say defensive coordinator Alex Grinch is probably very happy that he used the word takeaways there, not turnovers. He's been harping on that all season long. He's talked about they call them takeaways, not turnovers, because they're taking them away. And that's really been the calling card for this defense. And they, they've needed something to bank their identity on because they have been so inconsistent. You know, they the run defense has struggled, especially in first halves. They've allowed, I think they're 84th in the country in rushing yards allowed. And they've been, they've been able to hold teams once they get in the red zone. So... 
teams are scoring only 60% when they get in red zone against USC, but they've been inconsistent. And we, you, you have teams like Washington State and Utah coming up, a lot better better offensive game. They're going to have to really show up and, and step up in this in this uh, if, if USC wants to stay undefeated. All right, Paolo, thank you. It's really been an interesting season for the Pac-12. Eddie, what, uh, what, what jumps out is that you've got five teams right now ranked in this week's AP poll, the second most of any conference, and that's trailing just the SEC. So, I, again, I think you could make the argument, Steve, that this has been a bit more competitive than we anticipated at the start of the season. Uh, who, who's got the leg up the way you see it right now? I look at UCLA. Uh, we talked last week going into this game that when they played Washington, uh, you know, they have a tough stretch coming up. Now they have Utah, you know, weeks, you know, they go to Oregon, they have SC at the back end, but Washington doesn't play Utah or USC. So UCLA getting that tiebreak win, I think was huge. And when you look at what they're capable of, you guys touched that. DTR feels comfortable. Chip Kelly, you hear him talk. He's the toughest guy on our team. He's who we want in control. I think UCLA knows they have to outscore teams, knowing the injuries they sustain on the defensive line. So I'll roll with UCLA. I just love what they bring to the table offensively. I love Chip Kelly calling plays, uh, and I think they got a monster win last week uh, when nobody expected them. So I wouldn't be surprised if they won again against Utah uh, Saturday night. I'm like, Steve, what are you talking about? Like, how do you ignore USC? How do you ignore the quarterback play? They got one of the best quarterbacks in the country in Caleb Williams and the weapons that he has. I mean, those skill position players are some of the best in the country. The only thing that I worry about is we see Caleb Williams. I mean, he sometimes it almost looks like he gets bored out there. He's so good. He could have left last year and been the first pick in the draft. I mean, I think he's that good. But then you throw in Jordan Addison, the Bolitnikoff Award winner, the best receiver in the country. Then you throw in Mario Williams in that running game as well. I mean, that offense is too explosive. We saw what that defense could do with the takeaways, not turnovers early in the season. Season, especially against Rice. So I'm going with UC, USC all the way. They got one of the best play callers in the country. Come on, Steve. I tell you what, guys, uh, no matter how it, how it circles back, though, we will know a lot more, I think, this time in the next week or two. Uh, some pivotal matchups in the Pac-12, no question. All right, let's travel all the way back east, if you will. Talk a little ACC. Uh, we know Clemson has a stronghold right now in the Atlantic. Let's talk about the team they played last week, Steve, which is NC State. They get ready for Florida State. What stands out to you there? Well, you go back and watch NC State in that game and that loss at Clemson. You know, a couple things just stood out. The lack of playmakers, the lack of deep threat, and the offensive line I thought really struggled with the idea of, you know, going against that Clemson D-line, which is real. They rotate eight guys in and out of there. And when I look at Florida State, Bad loss last week against Wake Forest. That was a winnable game. But what they get Jared Verse coming back on their defensive line, and that's what you need against NC State. you got to get Devin Leary uncomfortable, and I really think Florida State, if they want to be in the, mentioned in the upper echelon of this conference, you've got to show how good you are, and that comes with a win at NC State. But I think it's going to be tough. I think NC State will rally around their home crowd. Yeah, Steve, I agree with you on that one. I mean, it's who's not going to sulk about their last week's loss. I mean, both tough yeah. games for them. And so now the thing that I see is NC State does a great job of stopping a run. That's what Florida State leans on is that running game. I believe Devin Leary will have a bounce back game. And so I'm going with NC State as well. All right, guys, take a look at the standings in the ACC, if you will. While Clemson is in that top spot, that's something we expected in the Atlantic. But Duke and UNC, the top teams in the Coastal, 
almost looks like basketball standings when you just take a glance. Uh, listen, uh, nothing unexpected, I don't think, about Clemson, but the Coastal, uh, again, giving us chaos. We often see that at this point during the season. Eddie, what do you make of this Coastal division? I mean, look at Duke at the top. I mean, I love seeing that, right? But, I mean, when we talked about it at the beginning of the year, it was Pittsburgh and it was Miami, the two teams that we thought that would come out of the Coastal. Now we just saw Pitt with the loss against Georgia Tech. That passing game is really struggling. Miami benched their quarterback halfway through the game. So now I'm looking at which team, and it's UNC that's jumping off the table to me. I mean, off the board, you look at Drake Mays playing as well as any quarterback in the country. That running game will continue to get better. But also the defense, that was the big issue was, was UNC's defense. They played better last week against Virginia Tech. So now if you get that defense rolling with this offense, watch out for North Carolina. Yeah, it's amazing to me, Eddie, when I look at all the talk we had before the season started about the quarterbacks in this league, it's about half the conference of those quarterbacks that just have not played well. And you mentioned North Carolina. Drake May is by far in his own tier when you look at the quarterbacks in this conference. So I look at UNC Miami, the winner of that game, having a huge leg up on that side of the conference. Yeah, Steve, you're absolutely right. I think we spent a full week in the preseason talking about this deep stable of ACC quarterbacks. A lot of folks making the argument it was the deepest in the country. But uh, you know what? As we say, that's why you got to play the game, uh, which our next mm. guest certainly did and certainly played well, not only in college football, but, of course, in the NFL. Notre Dame legend Joe Montana joins us when we come back. We'll talk a little bit about the Irish season and maybe take a little trip down memory lane as well. More College Football Live right after this. College Football Live is presented by delicious ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Week six also brings us the Shamrock Series. Notre Dame hosting number 16 BYU at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. The Irish got to like it. They're 10-0 in this series and have a 70% chance to win this one. Notre Dame legend Joe Montana joins us now on behalf of Guinness. And, Joe, uh, we have to start with Notre Dame, of course. And for the Irish, it has been an interesting season. That's probably an understatement. What have you seen from Notre Dame so far? Well, I think anytime you have a transition of coaches and it's difficult, um, even though he came out of the staff, um, you know, he's going to run things a little bit different, do things a little bit different um, than what they're used to. And um, I, but you know, they still got a pretty good team and still got a chance to, you know, to, to turn this thing around. I mean, it's, yeah, they've lost a one game they shouldn't have lost, and they lost a, another, you know, a really good team which uh, they had an opportunity to. You know, I still think they had a chance to, to win that game early, but uh, um, I, I still like what they're doing. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think uh, they're, they're fun to watch for me anyway, no matter what. So, Well, and to your point, there is always a learning curve, even if you do come from within the staff. It's interesting when we speak to you, of course, everybody remembers the NFL heroics, but uh, this is a college football show. We happen to remember a chili cotton ball in 1979 that saw you with an impressive comeback win. What do you remember about that game? It was probably the coldest game I ever played in. Um, you know, I'd never gotten sick at a game before. Um, and 
I don't know if I've ever made that many mistakes in a game. <laughs> I think I tried to give the game away a number of times, but I do remember that no matter what happened, um, going against the wind, I think there were 69 points scored in the game. Only 14 points were scored against the wind. And one of them was a, a punt that was uh, blocked and returned for a touchdown. Other than that, if you didn't have the win, you couldn't do anything offensively. And luckily for us, we had it coming down the, uh, in the fourth quarter. We got the win, and uh, we got things turned around. Well, I tell you what, if that's the coldest game you can remember playing in, that's saying something because you played in quite a few. Uh, Joe, thank you. We look forward to watching your Irish the rest of the way. Saturday afternoon, we'll have the 118th annual Red River Showdown, Texas and Oklahoma at the Cotton Bowl noon on ABC and the ESPN app. The Sooners are 3-2 and two after losing to TCU. The Longhorns also 3-2, and two, but they are expected, according to Pete Thamel, who just broke the news, to get star quarterback Quinn Ewers back for this game, Eddie. And they have to be pleased with that news. It was an injury expected to take four to six weeks. We're on the four-week end of things. What does his return mean for Texas? Yeah, it gives this offense another boost. I mean, Xavier Worthy got rolling last week over 100 yards. Uh, and we saw what Xavier Worthy did to Oklahoma last year, over 261 yards receiving and two touchdowns. So having that dynamic and then the excitement of getting your starting quarterback back, I'm leaning towards Texas in this one. Yeah, for sure, Eddie, because on the other side, we don't know if Dylan Gabriel is going to play, and that would be brutal for Oklahoma. If they don't have Dylan Gabriel, we saw what that defense has looked like. That's a rough spot. I can't remember the last time Oklahoma lost three games in a row. I'd have to think go back to the John Blake era. So I, I think it's a brutal spot for Oklahoma, but crazy things always happen in this game. Yeah, all bets are off. Speaking of which, Steve, uh, first time these two teams have met unranked since 1998. All right, since I reference bets uh perfect time what's your bet of the weekend Stanford Steve yeah Kansas got wanted game day and now they have game day and with game day comes a lot more eyeballs and now Kansas has the attention they wanted I just worry about what the other team coming in I think TCU brings a lot to the table that's going to give Kansas trouble Kansas is going to play better than they did last week they have to but I think that TCU offense is serious with the speed the way they spread you out I'll take TCU and lay the points wow Eddie you buying Kansas I'm going with Steve on this one I like TCU on with you brother Oh, guys, come on. It's such a good story. Kansas 6-0, perhaps. Well, you're right, though. All eyes on Lawrence, including ours, will be watching, and we'll see you back here tomorrow.